Hello and welcome to Dad and Sons, your number one news and weather video game emergency reporting podcast where not liking Final Fantasy XV is considered just as big an emergency as three weeks of emergency flooding over a crowded island nation in Asia. Woo-wee! Starting off strong today. I'm George Weedman. You just heard... Uh, Matt, Matt Visual. <laughs> We're introducing ourselves now. And then, and then we just heard who? I'm Liam Edwards. But who are the dads? Who are the sons? You decide. You oh, decide. We're, we're using our real names and not our fake names. Our Matt Matt Visual is your real name, right? Oh yeah, that's right. I had it changed. <laughs> You're right. For convenience, because it's more convenient having your YouTube name on your driver's license, your tax return, your 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 cancer paperwork than your real name that that your mama gave you. I, I'm everyone just calls me Bunny Hop these days anyway, so I could I could picture it. How's that working out for you, Matt? Oh, um, beautifully. A uh, lot of lot of strange looks at the DMV, but it's all good. Uh, MV, MV, is that what is that what everyone calls you these days? You like walk in the room and they're like, "Yo, MV." Yeah. <laughs> mm, it doesn't roll off the tongue as much. So no. <laughs> uh, how about how about you, Liam? You, you you don't use a fake internet name, but I'm wondering if there might have been some some embarrassing ones in the past, maybe some embarrassing <laughs> ones from the present, perhaps <laughs> that the that you could go through life like slinging slinging around people with uh, on your. Uh, Legal work, I, your your legal docs. I, um, not not to the sense that you guys had. I guess like the only thing I can really draw from is like having you know like gamer tags back in the day. Like I think a lot Ugh, of people made their gamers. YouTube channels based on their gamer tag names. Like when you find out like some you know big YouTubers now what their original YouTube channel name is or something is sometimes can be incredibly hilarious. Um, mm. I'm trying to think of one that stands out. XXX uh, Shadow Splooge 6969XXX. I had, I had two. I, one I remember was uh, Steez on Toast. That what was funny. The, what the uh, heck are Steez on Toasts? So I think it was because I, was, I, I bought an Xbox 360 to play skate. And Steez was like this slang word in skateboarding. And then it just sounded like cheese, so I called it Steez on Toast when I made a game attack. Invented so you don't that. have any, like, really embarrassing, cringy ones from, like, uh, childhood that you thought I were went, super cool at the time? The one I went for for ages was Button Mash Effect. Yeah, that's your, uh, oh, My, uh, that's, you are still using that for some form of identity, are you not? I, I think so, probably, <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Some Steam accounts or emails somewhere. But that was like, I was just, I played a lot of fighting games and I enjoyed Mass Effect. So I was like, button mash effect. Ah, genius. Wow. <laughs> All right, visual, calm down. When I, when I was a child, I think I was in the seventh grade. Mom brought home the first like big Dell computer. I made my, my MSN account on our 56K dial up. And my screen name was Riff Rough Dude. That's 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 pretty good compared to my dad made all our first email accounts. He just made like email accounts oh for all of God. us, and it was like back in the AOL days. And my dad, not being the most inventive man, just named everyone our our name, and then one the great. So I'd be like Liam one the great. 
My sister would be so Lauren cute. Juan the Great. <laughs> it's just all of us named our name, then Juan the Great. And we had to live with that for all of the AOL days. You all had dad names. Yeah. Truly, truly so. Okay, so Matt Visual. Your mm-hmm. your name these days is Matt Visual, which sounds fine. But was it worse in the past? Um <clears throat> when I was I played a lot of Xbox. Um the home of bad screen names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Uh well, no no no. It it wasn't I don't know. You tell me if it was bad, but <laughs> what ended up happening is that I just wanted to get online and play Halo, so the game kept spitting me out. Well, not the game, but the, the console kept spitting out uh, gamer tags to me, um, and they used my name, Matt. So <laughs> one of them that I was like, okay, I'll do go with that one was Watchful Matt. <laughs> <laughs> And then later on, I switched it to watch format. <laughs> He's behind I you. I don't know which one I'm more scared of. And, you know, it was like a constant joke, you know, when you're botting people in Gears of War. And, you know, everyone's talking smack after watch the match and stuff like that. Oh, we're going to watch for Matt, huh? We're going to watch for Matt. And I'll go in there and I'll freaking destroy them. Oh, oh sure you were. Yeah, I like, to, I like yeah, how yeah. tangentially you went from the word watch to the word visual. Mm. <laughs> That's not... I don't like uh, how you're connecting these Freddy dots. I like how hmm. the subconscious works. <laughs> I like how everything has an evolution, Matt. This is getting creepy now. This is really getting <laughs> one one kind of mat leads to another. <laughs> you could watch for first. Matt, I watch then, you. No, it's and then I give you a visual. You start watching out for Matt, but then slowly you start just watching Matt on YouTube, and then slowly he becomes a visual, a Matt visual. I feel like Matt just accidentally admitted that he's a total voyeur. <laughs> Voyeur? Explain voyeur. We, we, well, I mean, you're going from being a watchful Matt who watches other people to someone you gotta watch out for, like he's violating your privacy by watching you so hard, so watch out for that Matt, to Matt Visual. It's just completely consumed you. You don't even care anymore about <laughs> about whether or not other people are comfortable being watched. You're just all about those visuals. You're gonna, you're you're gonna me get them no matter like what. This- public indecency guys you know the guy who just goes out there in a trench, trench coat, coat. With nothing on. <laughs> just, yeah, like, just wants to just... show it all off because because he's been working out right that's how it works yeah, george, yeah, have you, how it works. george have you had to explain the the super bunny hop name before Gee, so god yeah so so many times and the answer is real stupid it's bunny hop that's the video thing you do in video games super it's what video game things are called the end wow that is a very like in in sound, Super Bunny Hop doesn't sound like a very George Weedman thing, but then the explanation was the most George Weedman thing I've heard. Yeah. I mean it's like the second laziest thing next to just calling it George Tube. <laughs> I wish oh, it was called no. George Tube. No. Dad and Sons, a George Tube podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, who's that the would George? Be so Who's bad. the Jew? Who would like change her name? 
Strange really? TV. How could it be any worse? No, I think Super Bunny Hop works. Okay. Yeah. That's, Super- <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. So, uh, do you guys play any video games? Um, it hasn't been that long since the last podcast. In the interest of full transparency, we recorded Friday last week. Now it's Tuesday. So we've had three days to play video games, guys. How did you make use of your three days? I finished FF7. The oh, whole shebang? 40-something yeah. hours? 40 hours. Oh, well, I guess that is shorter than JRPGs nowadays. <laughs> it's, um... Uh, hmm. Oh, okay. no. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> I remember it. All right. So I played a lot of this as a kid, right? And I never got, I never finished it. And I kind of, I kind of know why now. You know? <laughs> Here it <laughs> <I> comes. <laughs> Matt Visual why also known this as game the man who hates Final Fantasy. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it, it is not that bad it's just there's a lot of filler a lot of running around a lot of running huh. around in the this huge world trying to figure out these damn puzzles and you know talking to everyone it's such a waste of time and i can't fault an old game for <laughs> the old way like 90 percent of jrpgs yeah oh. the more things change the more they stay the same you've got to be kidding me i didn't have to do that in uh, nino kuni or what other game I played recently? Well, not in Nino Kuni 2. Like, Final Fantasy 15? You didn't have to walk around doing all those hunting quests and walking around that giant world? No. No, that's different. That's different than the main quest being buried under some riddle. Like, oh, where the sun don't shine. And then you just have to figure it out. Ah. I kind of remember a little bit of that. I stumbled into a lot of optional stuff before continuing on with the main quest. I want to say midway through FF7. Yeah, that this because, and I think that's why, is they they have you go around and do all these side quests, thinking it might be the main quest, and then it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh no, this has nothing to do with the main quest. You're still on your journey to find out but, where this freaking place is. When they're good, that should be fine. Like I remember enjoying stumbling accidentally onto Vincent. I remember enjoying, yeah. but not being able to beat the optional like giant weapon mecha boss fights. And then I think I remember wandering around for like a day and then getting back on track the next day. It wasn't that bad as I recall, but maybe it's bad when you're an adult and you're pressed for time. Yeah, I I think it's more because of that. I mean, as a kid, I probably wouldn't have cared at all because there's so much there. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay to just wander for a day. Yeah, you know, you can't really fault it right now i guess i don't know when you're like, an adult you're like i need to make three meals poop twice go to work and go to bed on time with this day yeah yeah and you're <laughs> you're thinking about that as you wander around mm-hmm. for 30 minutes and you're just like oh okay, 30 man. minutes gets so much longer the older you are which is ironic yeah. because when you're not paying attention those 30 minutes gets faster but when you are like there's so much other more important things you can do in 30 minutes than optionals in a video game and that's that sucks i don't know how i feel about that and and i didn't rush through the game you know i i got like their ultimate weapons i got um some of their limit breaks as well yeah um before i fought i fought the end battle those are always well (laughs) they were fun to watch as a kid i remember them getting pretty annoying after a while but 
complaints over skipping those long, long, long cutscene um, summon attack animations were something that's been there since day one. But JRPG pacing has been controversial for the longest time since the days of FF7. Like, random battles was something people didn't like back then. Like, Chrono Trigger tried to fix that problem back in 95, 96, I think, actually. And FF7 just came out the next year with random battles and life went on and then skies of arcadia comes out like three four years later with random battles just like from 10 years ago and no one seemed to want to drastically change them and now jrpgs like have finally seemed to do away with them for good yeah and having monsters on the map instead there's still a lot of rng and waiting going on yeah and and pointless side quests and and lots of long downtime and and it's part of like the charm and the pacing i just wonder if maybe the reason I haven't gotten hooked in a JRPG for a long time is because I'm an adult now. And I have I, oof, oof, obligations. Controversial. Controversial. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I mean. The, and, um, guilty as charged. The thing, the thing was that uh, like near the end, near the end, like they, they split up the characters too. And then, you know, half your characters are not, uh, not leveled. So they're all weak. And that's like, oh, am I going to have to quit this and go back and level these guys? I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> hell, hell no. So I just threw as much as I could at Sephiroth so he can go to the next phase or something like that. My God. If I, I'm, I got to say, if I failed it the first time, because I beat him in one go. If I failed it, I think I might have put the game down for another couple of days. <laughs> for sure. It was because the, the the it was such a long battle after that. And to have to get out and do random battles for I don't know, just like walk around in circles, kinda of like oh I'm trying to catch a Pokemon for like the next two hours or so, just trying to level up all these other characters. It it might it might have been too much for me. Because I was already at I'm I was hitting the edge around where the end of the game was because i wasn't there you know because it, it, it's the game is good but i mean the story is wonky as hell but you know i enjoyed it but there's that point you know where i kind of got tired of as you said the random battles like they they kept doing this even for uh through the 360 days too and i'm not i'm not sure about after that but 360 days with the last odyssey and all that they, they still had random battles and I never, I never, and it's such an old concept to me. Maybe someone likes that nostalgia, but uh, I, it wasn't so bad until you start doing it for a long period of time, I would say. But um, for Final Fantasy VII, the first disc was so good, like fantastic. That I was, that was the driving force for me to finish it and be okay with like its little, you know, old tricks. Does uh, that final boss fight still give people the tingles? Well, I guess. Does that final boss fight give you the tingles, the, the music and the ridiculous <laughs> attack animations? That oh, that's what I wanted to say. Right when you were talking about that, um, <laughs> the music, the music is great. Uh, there is this move that Sephiroth does uh, yes. in his second phase oh, that takes yes. freaking forever. 
<laughs> and and what? what what happens in the movie? What does he do to to he destroys the Pluto? He destroys <laughs> Venus. <laughs> he destroys the sun multiple That's his special times. Attack. And then you get hit by that supernova. Like what? He destroys the solar system <laughs> and cloud and and Tifa. And, and the dog or whoever, they're fine. They just, like, wipe <laughs> off some of the dust and keep battling. Oh, my God. And then they make a movie afterwards. <laughs> and a bunch of spinoff games. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, when I played this game, I was like, wow, Advent Children made no freaking sense. It made no sense, but it was really cool to look at as a kid. I watched it I multiple still, times. God, I, I remember when I saw that. I was also, like, really, really young. I want to say, like, eighth, ninth grade, maybe. I had a friend with me who is, I want to say, three, maybe four years younger. We watched Advent Children together. And, and the, the younger kid, who I want to say was 11 or 12 at the time, finished up Advent Children. They shortly just finished playing up FF7 as well. And they thought Advent Children was the best movie ever. Hmm. And I was just kind of like, wait, but I don't, can you, what even happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, it's like fan service or something. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. It was it is. totally it was just... like cashing in on, on seeing Cloud and friends do cool tricks for, for 90 minutes. I mean, I, I will admit, like, that movie is absolute God. the horse shit for the most part. But... Yeah. The bit where Cloud flies down and attacks whatever that emo boy's name is. What is Squall? No, the, 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 like, the cars. Cars? Is it cars? Ignis? No, the, like in Advent Children, he attacks the guy who is protecting Mother. They all look like weird Sephiroth clones with cut hair. Is his name Cars, maybe? I don't know, I forget his name, but then, like... He attacks him and then it like explodes and then all of a sudden Sephiroth is there instead. And like he sort of like you know, Masamune like appears and materializes in front of him. And then from then until the moment Sephiroth goes, I'll never be just a memory and disappears after Cloud beats him. That is like still some epic fucking cool shit. Like that fight between Sephiroth and Cloud in Advent Children is awesome. Hands down awesome. It, I think every single animation that Japan comes out with is pretty sick. Like, they can't make anything that looks terrible. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure you could find something. But, like, no, but most even, of the like, stuff they come out with is, like, fantastic. Yeah. But the story is always oh, so God, yeah. awful. bad. Awful. But, like, it, it, like the, the, the way that fight goes on and is staged, like... The choreography of it is amazing. Like, Cloud and Sephiroth, like, cut through a falling skyscraper and, like, it gets torn in half and you see all, like, the rooms inside of it and everything. It's fucking amazing. This was, like, 2005. It's still weird to me that the Final Fantasy VII lore, I don't think, goes that far out of its way to characterize the main characters as superheroes, which is, like, kind of a video game problem. Like, Barrett's a guy with a gun duct-taped on his hand <laughs> other than that how is he able to like survive all of these hits he's taking it it that's see that's that's the thing i i constantly think about like 
when people are making these games, do they think about like what they like how the gameplay is supposed to mesh with like real life? Like how does a character die? They they you get know? they get um one bad hit in after their luck meter runs out. See, and and that's what I was thinking about when you mentioned the Drake thing. But it's I don't know. It it kind of kind of makes it a video game at that point, right? Uh, and I guess video games are supposed to be fun, I guess. But you can't really feel bad about something happening when people have been getting stabbed by monsters all the way through and then all of a sudden one little sword from Sephiroth kills her. It's like, oh, okay. No Phoenix Downs work either. <laughs> <laughs> After last week's podcast, I actually got a lot of messages from fans about how in the manuals of many RPG books, they actually will give the HP point value the description that it basically is the combination of your characters like fortitude, stamina, endurance to make a combination of an effect where they that HP meter is there to convert what would be lethal wounds or serious injuries into just scrapes, bruises, and brazes. Or scrapes, bruises, and grazes. Mm. And and that, that kind of matches up with how Pillars of Eternity and, and AD and DD would do it, where once your HP goes out, you suffer one serious injury and just can't take more than three per day until you rest up. Mm. Even though, like, visually speaking, your character is getting, like, shot and stabbed <laughs> and... Mortally wounded. <laughs> over and over again to, to little to no consequence. Anyways. So overall, Matt, overall, Matt, you finished it, like... Would you would you recommend people play um, it even now? I th I think well the, at the end of the game um, they showed who worked on different s sections. They don't do that anymore, but now they did it for Final Fantasy VII, and it, you know all those people who worked on like the snowboarding mini game and all that they like put their names out there. My Aww. God, that's that's. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, overall, um, I think it's worth playing just because either if you had nostalgia and you want to see, you know, what it's really like now as an adult and not as a kid, because as a kid, you just, you know, romanticize so much. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're you, more, play, you play it on PC, right? You play the you're PC. more easily yeah, impressed yeah. as a kid because you hadn't played Metal Gear Solid 3 yet. Oh, my God. And um, <laughs> and yeah, like for that reason, if you're a youngin listening to this and you never heard of Final Fantasy VII, a youngin, a youngin, um, I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> no, no, I don't know. Like the first disc is great. Oh, we all have fond memories of the first disc, you know. And if you want to go through that. Because if they're used, like, the youngins, they're used to a certain type of game. You know, they're used to the action combat. They're used to, like, um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, up-to-date <laughs> ways to play games. Going back to this, you, this is stuff you just don't realize that has been changed. Even though this was, I feel like, r like ahead of its time a little bit. Like, it was really good. Um, I just don't think that same quality holds up from disc one to disc two and disc three. Um, that same wow factor does not happen in disc two and disc three. It just kind of gets a little weird. 
um not bad just 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 weird um if you want to play it just before the the new remake comes out which <laughs> i don't know if it's gonna be good you got a lot of time <laughs> you got a lot of time you got a lot you know take your you time can, you, you can know, start two years from now and you'd still have a lot of time play just one and quit yeah be fine <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna move on to eight Eight, I remember, starts off really well and gets weird soon, too. Yeah, I don't... I See, that's the thing. Like, I'm searching for that one game that I like all the way through. And, <laughs> and you've never found it. <laughs> <laughs> well, JRPG is what I mean. You know, like, all the way through. I, I Because it always... Like, they always start off... They always give these this this heavy mystery and it's very intriguing and then all of a sudden they just drop the freaking ball they drop all of them multiple balls in their hand they're juggling them and it fall falls on the floor dangling them around and dangling the balls spinning them a bit stirring them in their palm yes it's no no i i I would wish someone would just land (laughs) land it well I remember during the PSX era, the first, like, four hours, even back in the the SNES era beforehand, the first four hours of all the mainline Final Fantasies were fantastic sequences. Mm. Like, like FF6 begins with uh, that beautiful, wistful intro of you marching through the snowy town with the Mode 7 3D. FF7 begins with this, like, cinematic shot panning into the sky, down to the planet, down to the city, down to the train station, down to the individual fight scene, all in, like, one smooth, beautiful shot. And and both in FF6 and FF7, you're, like, running away from guards through these highly scripted, exciting escape sequences. And, uh... In, 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 I don't think I remember the intro to FF9 that well, though. But I remember FF9 being lively and exciting and highly scripted and fun and eventful. They're in a theater or something like that. Yeah, like how bawdy and, and like romantic is that? Yeah. There's, there's like some, some real emotional core to, uh, those opening sequences, the, the, does not quite by necessity last the whole 40 hour stretch, but I bet those are still really great fun to play through these days. And I, 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 I would be sad if, if the kids don't play like the first 10 hours of, of the essential final fantasies. <laughs> what did you do that way? You did that with like so- uh, Sonic, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, those, that was just the first level. They, but. they need to do like a Sonic run. A Sonic run through all the Final Fantasies. Right. And and I almost yeah. wish it was more socially acceptable to just bow out of a game after ten hours or so. But I I've I've gone on that rant before. Because they, they peter out. They they do. But they all begin so good. Well, there you go. Um so yeah, those are those are your final thoughts on yeah, the f- final seven? thoughts. Uh if you haven't if you played as a kid, you know, if you have the time play it i wouldn't say it's a necessary <laughs> take your nostalgia and move right oh. on to the remake if well, that's the fact if you have time ugh. if you're like me and you work full-time job ugh. you don't have time so, yeah i just i just i i guess i have to go back because i i think i remember those first 10 hours being too good to give it a maybe anyways it's good it's really good it's fantastic <laughs> 
<laughs> the first disc is fantastic, dude. Like, fantastic. I know, and does that not, like, all- increase the score at the end of the day enough? Yeah, I mean, I say it's good. I say I enjoyed myself. I'm glad I played it. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying <laughs> for everyone else, do they want to spend Different. 40 hours for the, the first yeah. disc being really, really good? <laughs> 40 hours. You're going to have to finish Different it. strokes for different folks, man. Like the, the, the first disc is so good that you're going to want to finish it. And I don't know if like it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> it's going to be hard, especially if you, you're you used to a certain quality of story. <laughs> it's going to drag you through the mud a little bit. <laughs> but not at the beginning. Not at the beginning, though. Not at the beginning. At the beginning, everything is just great. Everything just works because you just don't know the mystery. And once they remove the curtain, they're like, you're like, oh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Wait, so would you I, say how did I how did cloud what how hmm? would you say that the experience is then divided between the like first quarter and the other three quarters? Oh yeah. Would, 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 would you say that there's like a harsh division of uh, quality from the beginning <laughs> to the end? Yes. It's like they took all their budget and put it in the beginning of the game because that's what most people are going to play. They, they might have done some mathematical operations, some addition, subtraction, and maybe some Tom Clancy's The Division. Oh, I did not know that's what he was doing. Oh, Damn I it. Did. And you walked right into it. You walked right into it. So, oh so I've been playing this uh, strategic um, disease management game. Uh, Tom Clancy's The Division is a medical emergency management simulator in which a epidemic of smallpox breaks out in New York City. It's evacuated. It's quarantined. Players have to uh, uh, quarantine survivors, uh, research the virus, develop a vaccine, distribute it fairly and effectively. But oh, who am I kidding? You just shoot people in the face. That's how you cure smallpox in Tom Clancy's The Division. And this is a concept of a game that's like really weirding me out it's Mm -hmm. it's a division of a lot of really well executed genre archetypes but smooshed together in a presentation in scenario in an interface that's really weird so so it's a third person shooter like borderlands or destiny that that uh wants you to make a lifestyle out of it where every single day you're gonna log on, shoot some bad guys with some friends, log off, increase the numbers of your character play of your player character, and it's presented as if it's this complicated RPG system. When the beginning of the game that I'm working through now is an incredibly simple, streamlined, very, 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 very basic shooter with one of the most complicated and cumbersome interfaces I've ever seen, because they're trying to do that dead space thing where a lot of your HUD readouts are floating around on your character's body. There's a lot of gunk floating around on the interface. There's there's a overlay square that shows up right on your mouse cursor whenever you mouse over any coverable objects your character can sneak behind. There, when when you pause the game, your your character waves their hand in the air and activates the magic holographic pause menu that floats around in front of you and and not everyone else. And um, navigating through that is it's it's another one of those systems i've always had a really hard time wrapping my head around where your character can carry infinite not infinite but almost infinite amounts of spare guns and ammo 
and and spray paint skin kits for those weapons take up no space at all even though the guns and ammo do uh at the same time you're juggling around different kinds of resources and currencies that i haven't fully been able to implement yet they just seem irrelevant right now at this part of the game i still don't know if it's my jam i gave it a shot last year i played it with some i played it by myself and decided that diablo likes were still not my jam i just have never really been able to handle the repetition and lack of immersion of that whole genre very well this time i'm giving it a go with friends and it is more fun with friends I was going to say because like you were like you were talking to us about us giving it a try. You were like mm-hmm. randomly one day you were just like, "Hey, is anyone interested in playing the division?" It's like wh- why? Wh- why now? Yeah. Because why? Why it now? was it was on sale and I've got a few friends in uh, the Bunny Hop Discord who have been playing it and they really like it. They have been wanting me to give it another try, and I have been enjoying it better this time, but I still don't know if like the hook is already there yet. We're just kind of pointing and clicking on bad guys. Some It's it's interesting how the uh, core of the shooting, at least, was designed around being a four-person co-op shooter. M- much like Left 4 Dead or like Vermintide, you, you have an enemy AI that focuses on flanking and tanking everyone's bullets way more than, than the usual first-person shooter bad guys. However... They don't do that Left 4 Dead thing where they can pin you down until, like, another player rescues you. It still feels like you could solo your way through the game and not have fun because the enemies are going to be bullet sponges and slash or too basic of a challenge at that point. I think that's pretty much why I didn't enjoy it last time. But this time, there will be, like, some moments... Well, we will, like, have to concentrate fire towards one bad guy in the crowd in particular... And, and, like, time up our uh, power-ups, time up our respawns <laughs> to uh, keep people respawning and dying. We're playing on hard mode, so there's a lot of dying involved. And it's it's got, like, occasional moments of team-based strategy like that that don't really permeate through the whole experience through a story and a setting that is just some kind of nonsensical nothing guff. Like, oh, I... <laughs> So, they 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 escape from New York, Manhattan Island. They, they they put a whole big fence around a quarantine zone on Manhattan Island. Try to evacuate everyone. There's still some civilians left behind. Occasionally, you'll walk up to a civilian, and your little like robot friend buddy will be like, "I'm not scanning civilian. Civilian in need." And and it'll give you a button prompt to give them some water. And they'll be like, yeah, you're doing good work, division agent. And you'll walk a little bit forward, and there'll be a very similar character, just like wearing some street clothes, standing by a car. But their name will be Red. And their name won't be Civilian. Their name will be Looter. And even though they're just standing around minding their own business, that still gives you, like, the right to shoot and kill on site and have your little video game gunfight. Uh... The game has has the aesthetics and the visage of a post-apocalypse scenario, but not the language of one. Everyone kind of talks about how mm. the government is, like, getting their shit together and just, like, having a surge of troops go to Manhattan to, A, basically shoot and kill all the looters and rioters who are taking advantage of the shitty social situation, and, B, somehow cure smallpox when, I think... <laughs> a, a smallpox vex, a smallpox outbreak is like a disaster scenario that a lot of, of medical emergency experts have worked their way through. But at the same time, isn't there 
a vaccine for that? Hasn't hasn't curing an, a smallpox epidemic in the United States of America been a problem that we have solved before? Furthermore, mm. you have a radio announcer who compares the situation to 9-11. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's oh like too God. soon to be making that comparison, but there's this radio announcer who I feel is another great opportunity for wasted narrative potential. You, you listen to this podcast in the safe houses in the game, and the safe houses are like little coffee shops, storehouses, sometimes real, real hidden locations like a hideout in the sewers that will have signs on the street saying, shelter this away, written on like cardboard. They'll uh, be redistributing some like weapons and food out of these old coffee shops using some weird like Bitcoin thing. I don't know. Your currency looks like it has the Bitcoin symbol. And there's a podcast announcer there. And you know, video game DJs are usually really ridiculous characters. Like like when you're when you're cruising down the streets in GTA listening to the radio, the DJ will be like flipping out about whatever social panic is is yeah. is causing trouble in the GTA world. They will be personalities, they will be clowns. Laszlo will be like arguing with his guests who are freaking out over magic killer bees. This podcast announcer in the division says nothing that has a lot there's like no humor to him. There's very little character to him. He's played surprisingly realistic. And I think I remember one of his lines was, man, this is so screwed up. After 9-11, us New Yorkers were working together and sticking together. Now we're murdering each other in the streets. What happened? Well, it's a video game is what happened. But at the same time, <laughs> he's also like highlighting the weirdness, the like, <laughs> the ludonarrative dissonance of 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 the magic circles of immersive interactive systemic interaction fun times that make me a little sad that they had to slap Tom Clancy's name give it a pseudo realistic art style and call it a day when they could have made this same game with way more fun aesthetics and it would make way more sense for the kind of gameplay they want to be chasing after here is it instance when you're playing pve okay it's a little bit of of a mix you, you walk around an overworld map that is not instanced by a very small amount it's like dark souls you you walk around an overworld map with other characters it's the open world city map um other players that is but the server isn't too very big they load in i want to say between 10 and 30 players at a time and you can walk up to a spot on that city where your mission will begin, much like GTA, press a button to automatically search for other players to play the mission with you. Once the mission begins, you're not loaded into the new area so much as the non-instanced overworld map is kind of streamlined, streamed out in the background. But if you do matchmake, they will straight loading screen teleport you into another player's game instance. But if not, it'll try to loading screen other players into your instance. So I want to say it's like a little bit of both. It's been it's been done before. It's been done in uh, this kind of style has. It, it does remind me a lot of the Dark Souls system. Not totally the same, but quite similar. So no, not so far. Not I'm sure it would be more fun if I was playing it with people. <laughs> this is one thing my my friendos have told me. They've gone through the game before and they said that I would have more fun if I was playing through it for the first time with someone else. But I'm still like, when I played Siege on the third match of Siege, like I knew that that I had I wanted to give this game 
some more. Uh, at the end of A Way Out, I was like hooked. I wanted to give it some more. I, I, I just don't know if I felt the hook with uh, these these two nights I gave it. Two nights over the past since the last podcast, I gave it the division and just trailed off. Uh, man, it just like is everything you just said is like so unappealing to me. Yeah. Even though As a game, you really like your monster hunters. Yeah, but like it's, it's a different kind of combat. There's, but it's there's a an intensity to Monster Hunter and package. The, you know, you opened yeah, but not really. You opened your opening statements about the division as you just shoot yeah, people yeah, in the yeah. face. And Monster Hunter, and you, it, you know, whack them. Doesn't really whack them. No, in Monster Hunter, you study these giant bosses that you know gradually get bigger and bigger, or more smarter and cleverer, and you have to like figure shit out to like get your way around them, and you have to approach them all in different ways. Whereas you know, this they're is still just... spongy though. Like like Monster Hunter enemies have way more HP no, than this is, single player no, this game com- enemies. Yeah, but it's completely different. It's like uh... it's requiring you to. A- approach each time you face a different monster uh, to yeah, approach I'm just I'm just being a semantic asshole about it. Like, I, w- I don't know if I'd go so far as completely different. Like, they're both multiplayer co-op lifestyle games meant to be replayed for a very, very long uh, period. But they have completely completely different combat systems, I'll give you that. The weapons are different, everything. Not different. everything! Some of the menus are pretty uh, yes. Nice. yes. The concept yeah, of... Like, like, you're in, like, yeah. a boring-ass town. Of New York, and here you're like going through forests and you know finding where they are, and then you what? have like little I... enemies popping. Okay, out. okay. Yeah. The map world is drastically different from the 3DS oh, game. But I was just gonna say the map they made for the division is actually really good. I feel like the, the, this version of New York is gorgeous to look at. There's tons of detail everywhere, bells and whistles everywhere. It's a very, very, very impressive game so far as the little details are concerned. The whole, the whole thing just feels. A confused and B like not my jam anyway, mm. and I, I I do think I had more fun with Monster Hunter <laughs> even on the 3DS version. Even on oh yeah God. yeah, I'm I'm still excited for that PC version. August 9th, Monster Hunter World. Uh, we have submitted review code requests. Capcom, get. I will make a review for the first time in a long while for uh, for a game coming out ahead of launch schedule. I'll I'll be one of those. This is as close as it gets to us selling selling George out. Yeah. I'll probably take we're selling him out. Like, we're, sell- we're selling his name. <laughs> oh, oh, I, feel, I feel like the sellout moment has happened oh, a shit. couple of times. But anyways, anyways. Uh, what, what else we got? What else we got? Well, Ooh. I would like to chime in with something that uh, intrigued me. Always lovely. Uh, not game related, but I watched Solo. Solo? That old movie from forever ago that everyone's yeah, done talking the, about? That only just came out in Japan. Why the oh. hell did they wait so long to release it in Japan? Because Japan. Okay. Japan. I... So have you have you guys seen it? Oh, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Because yeah. we didn't talk about it, did we? No. No, we did not. Because it didn't come out in Japan. We, 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 we were chose not to do the spoiler cast. Because it was late in Japan. Okay, so I mean, I'm intrigued to know what you thought, George, because... What are we going to do with Matt here? Matt, do you care enough to have Solo spoiled? Uh, I, I do care a bit. Okay, we hmm. won't spoil it. Okay, so we, you, yeah, let's you not genera- spoil. Matt, Matt, what is your general idea of the uh, the p- public perception of Solo? Um, 
lot of people are are hating it, but I don't know. So, some people that I've I've talked to say like, oh, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. It was fine. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't get it either. I don't get how people like, could really like d- like seemingly despise it. Like I don't understand. Like it's not- I can see that. I just don't feel it myself. I don't. I don't. I don't know how you can. Like for me, that movie was like forgetting all you know the Star Wars stuff that comes with it, but it's kind of like in a in a nice Star Warsy way. It's not. This doesn't seem to be like pressure on it like there was with, you know, the Last Jedi and also Rogue One as well because that is like tying in, you know, it, major parts. It was parts a lot of, more lighthearted than the main. It was a lot more lighthearted, and because of that, it was like, it was spinoffy to a core, to a fault, to an extent. Yeah, it, it was spinoffy. It got, yeah, which means it got to do like stuff it just wanted to do without mm-hmm. worry, and I don't understand because for me. Like that game, like that movie is not like a, a, a masterpiece or, or or anything of close, but I had like fun from minute one to like the last oh the last few scenes. Oh really? I thought it was I thought it was really even fun to during watch. the really really weird like airport checkpoint scene where they close the door but don't arrest the guys who are breaking only arrest half the people who are breaking the rules because it's more dramatic that way. It's a movie, dude. Like what about the part? Okay, Matt, this is a minor, very very minor spoiler. I want to say twenty minutes in. It's a stupid line that I kind of scoffed. <laughs> <laughs> there are some stupid lines in this movie, yeah. Uh, Han Solo, he uh, has had trouble as a cadet pilot in the Imperial Navy, and he says something to the effect of, yeah, well, I got kicked out of the Imperial Navy for having too much of a mind of my own. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of cheesy. But I, it's funny because I don't know whether it is the whole, like, everyone shitting all over it that lowered my expectations before going into it, which then <laughs> it yeah, subverted like my backfired. expectations to have fun. But also, like, when the trailers came out, I was officially not interested whatsoever. I thought the guy didn't look like Solo or whatever. He, he mm-hmm. didn't seem like a good Han Solo. Forgetting all that, like, I thought he was a super fun character. Yeah. Like, he he's not the disgruntled old man solo, and I thought that's what he was gonna turn into towards the end, but he never does. He just stays this sort of cheeky, like driven dude, and he's a fun guy to like watch and listen to. Like I I liked him quite a lot. Obviously, like Childish Gambino fucking knocks it out of the park as like Lando. He even has like the yeah. same vocal intonations. Yeah, yeah, looks the same, acts the same. I felt like it was really fun seeing how this character doesn't look like Han Solo, but talked and acted like Han Solo. I, I felt like that kind of balanced it out a I bit. I don't know if he talks like him. He, he sort of he moved like him, like quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, he moved he, like, like Harrison. keeps his hands. The way he at his shot hips. like his blaster and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It was every like he, you know, you. It's not that far removed from Han Solo. Like he he's not speaks with a low gravelly drawl. He's not as Han Solo as La- as Charles Gambino is Lando, because like Donald Glover, Charles Gambino just knocks it out of the park as Lando. Like he's he's fantastic. He's amazing. And That's the only reason why I want to watch the movie. 
he and it's worth watching just for that. He he's really good in it. Like I don't think he gets enough screen time. If I'm entirely honest, like I I actually thought he was in it more going into it than he actually was when I watched it. Uh, but Han surprised me, and like the the way they introduce Han and Chewie, how they met, and like the relationship that develops from there, and that was really good. And I kind of liked the story, like it was obviously a spin-off story so it has you know a, de- a definitive start middle end you know it can't canonically go anywhere else because of things and also like there's this sort of character reveal at the end that surprised me that I'm surprised didn't get spoiled for me oh, which I'm intrigued oh no I think I know what you're talking about and I think yeah. I hated it yeah I was I was intrigued as to why? Matt, you'll see. He you'll was... see, Matt. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, if anyone who, who's watched it, yep. you yeah, know, go see the it end, now to the be whole... disappointed with the same thing we're disappointed by. Like, I was wondering why the he was there. I was like, huh. There is okay, a character intriguing. who I thought we would never see again. Oh, God. Uh, oh, yeah. God. And there is a the, character uh, is literally... who is like infamous for people not liking this character. Anyways, go on, go on. Okay, you, it's you really, definitely it's really... spoiled it now. Holy... Yeah, George. You... Yeah, yeah, George. Uh, and the thing is, right? Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Like that movie is podcast. so not. <laughs> <laughs> but what about that, your that monthly stipend? So... God damn it, George! Shut up. <laughs> okay, I'm over here now. <laughs> That like th- that that's a testament to the movie not being very Star Wars like for the most part because until he showed up at the end I was like I like almost forgot it was a Star Wars movie <laughs> like Woody Harrelson's character is not very Star Wars like uh, Emma Amelia Clark's Amelia Clark's Star Wars character is not very Star Wars like either. Paul Bettany's kind of Star Wars like, I guess. But the thing is, <laughs> I I don't know. Honestly, if, Matt, you'll know what I mean. You'll know what I mean. I didn't think it was very Star Warsy, and that was probably he's the it Sith worked Lord, in its favor. Don't you know? He's the Sith I don't. Lord. I don't know if I got that feeling out of it because I'd spent so much time playing video games that like do Star Wars but as gritty crime gritty crime dramas that it felt natural to me because there wasn't a lightsaber in it it was very much about a part of the Star Wars universe that I think they said the same exact line in the red letter media review it, that this is a part of the Star Wars universe that is all over the extended universe but not the main movies and yeah because of it's got like droids and it, you know it's got the millennium falcon in it it's got this is about the crime syndicates all right and I'm a lot leave. of the game yeah okay. tell me when you're done oh now i feel bad <laughs> now George, now the infamous I, spoiler he's gone he just he walked away he walked out that door over there he's all the way that way Matt, 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 we're going to stop talking about Star Wars. Matt. Matt. Okay. Hello. So Star Wars Han Solo. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, I can see how some people wouldn't like it, but I thought it was okay. I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I enjoyed it. 
I, I don't like it's not the best fucking thing in the world and it's by no means a great fantastic movie but as a movie that's watchable I enjoyed it I was Hans far interesting more to watch offended by episode two more so than all and this movie, as an this adult movie, rewatching this episode movie one. is way better than any of the yeah. fucking prequel movies it might have been the worst hands down like like recent star argues, wars but star wars has been way worse before as in anyone who tries to argue that any of the prequel movies are better than this is a fucking moron like as a self-contained Whoa. film that has a start a middle and that end with Aaliyah. interesting characters <laughs> like it, that it's way better than any of the prequels. And so is Rogue One, also. So, what about video games? Or were you too busy escaping with your life from the floodwaters? I played some video games, like... I, I, I mean, I, I, I've I been on that Switch kick where I'm just buying whatever comes out on Switch that week. And this week, I bought a game called Bomb Chicken. I am intrigued. Bomb chicken. Not bomb chicken. Not chicken bomber. Not bomb the chicken. No. Not bomb chicken. Make a chicken bomb. Just bomb chicken. Yeah, bomb chicken. Bomb. Bomb chicken. Bomb bomb. Not not bomb. Bomb. Yeah, bomb. Bomba chicken. What's what's bomb chicken? Bomb chicken is a game made by a company called Nitrome. Nitrome. Mm-hmm. I don't really know, but it's um, it's a game. It's a it's like a uh, kind of like a puzzle platformer, I guess, where you're escaping some sort of place. You you're like the the one thing I will say like immediately is the game's very pretty. It has some very wonderful pixel art that's very nice. Um, I've been trying to buy lots of pixel art games recently for my own personal study, and because I'm trying to do a lot of pixel art stuff in the moment so this was another one of those and the whole game is rolled around you this chicken who basically any button you press will lay a bomb oh and you can and stack then, them up yeah and you can stack the bombs on top of each other and then <laughs> they explode it's like so, a giant tower of bombs yeah exactly so you can't jump uh, or <laughs> you, you, can o- you can only move left or right bombs. and you just lay bombs <laughs> and you can stack bombs on top of each other to reach higher positions or you can explode boxes but your bombs do kill you like if you stand next to them or you uh, they explode underneath you so you have to like lay them and then get off them so you're always constantly moving in these tight spaces while slaying bombs. And basically, you have to use the bombs to, uh, you know, solve puzzles and go through all these platforms. And the mechanic is really cool. Like, from a game design standpoint, like, it has one mechanic, and it does that one mechanic really well. You have to lay bombs to get around these things, and the stuff you can do with the bombs, like, you can push them, or you can, like... You can sort of move really quickly and lay them all out in like a wave pattern if you're moving fast enough. And you can stack them really high, almost infinitely if you can't hit a roof. Um, So there's lots of interesting things you can do with the bombs. In terms of like the actual gameplay, it's like these short bite-sized levels that maybe take like five to ten minutes. Like you'll die like quite a few times because it is quite challenging. But supposedly there's like 29 levels and you can you just progressively go through them. Like you go f- from the the opening door to the final door and you go in between that uh, doing laying bombs and getting around all these things. You're kind of like 
I don't. Either I haven't been paying attention, or like the exposition. I there is none at all. You're just uh, you just you're a bomb chicken. You you hatch and you're this bomb chicken. Like you're this a bomb blue, chicken. Go do bomb chicken things. This blue slime falls on your egg, and then all of a sudden that means you can lay bombs. I don't know why, but uh, yeah. So you're moving through this factory, which is like half food factory, half fast food restaurant, half something mechanical, chemical weapons plant. I don't know. Uh, and you're trying to progress through it. And in terms of like atmosphere and stuff, it's kind of boring. It's super boring. Like, there isn't much visual variety. Um, like, all the character models and the animations look really sweet, and the pixel art looks nice, but most of the time, it's like, you know those, like, old Super Nintendo games where it was, like, all factories-based, and it would just be, like, metal good is everywhere, and just, like... Because that's same really easy mach- to tile. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, machinery-type stuff. It's like that for most of the levels I've played so far, and I've played a bit, uh, maybe about half of them. And the music is, like... Oh, the music is like the the type of music I really don't like in games. Like that plodding, not not ominous, but very low. Like I'm trying to think of like a way to describe it. Just like low, non-intrusive music. How much does like, it it's cost? Just like, it's like ten dollars. Hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty cheap. Like. I'm trying to find like a piece of the music. Yeah, to, I just uh, was looking up the developer Nitro, and I think we have like an interesting kind of Gen Y game developer career story going on here. It looks like they began making flash games for free and moved on to making mobile games for pennies. Now they're doing a similar kind of style pixel art casual arcade challenge, but for ten dollars on consoles. Yeah, yeah, like they're, they're yeah, like they, moving on they, up. Yeah, that's, that's, that's they used to make cool. flash games that looked really nice, and they did well doing that. But they've been around for like since two thousand and five, like mm-hmm. developing those flash games. So obviously they have some experience, and the Switch being like this easy thing for developers to develop for. It seems you know they've done it, and it looks really cool. But yeah, there are some things that I just it kind of makes me just want to turn it off. Like I'll play a few levels, and I'll be like, ah, I'm kind of done now. Like. You know, it has this one mechanic, and a lot of the levels can seem a little similar after a while because you're doing the same sort of rope. Yeah, I'm you looking know, at laying it. Laying bombs, it's, moving. It looks like a game that you play on the toilet, you know, toilet games. Yeah, yeah, Aww. it's kind of like that. I and like then, it. You know, the Switch the Switch can do that unless you're George and you don't take your Switch to the toilet. But that's, oh, you, you know, know he does. Dude, guys, I think I'm, I'm converted at this point. Yeah. It's been like yeah. a year yeah. of me slowly bringing it in. And now I've kind of stopped thinking about it. Yeah, the poop particles are all over that switch now. Ugh, t- I, but I still don't like thinking about them. <laughs> uh. Get that black light, and you'll just see all these specks. No, no, no. Come on, Matt, for fuck's sake, don't. We we had him. <laughs> Now you've reverted him the other now, way. Now you're just pooping. He's never gonna, he's never gonna play bomb chicken on the toilet now. Laying some bombs of his own. I don't know. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> laying some bombs with specks of bombs that go all over his switch. Oh. Oh, oh God. <laughs> we went too far. You started it. Yep. Yep. We'll uh we'll be. Cleaning mm. off our switches. 
after <laughs> we finish this little bathroom break. God, it sucks that you're like saying it right before the break too. Like I'm gonna go to the bathroom now. And I'm gonna, ah! More than 200 animators and programmers. A multi-million dollar production. Over two years in the making. And a cast of thousands. They said it couldn't be done in a major motion picture. They were right. Final Fantasy VII. Hello and welcome back to the Dad and Sons podcast. The only podcast where you're completely confused over whether or not these are dads or sons talking. That's something that we can capitalize on, I bet, somehow. Either way, we're going to be talking about some news now that we've done uh, smearing poop particles all over our cell phones. Uh, mm -hmm. Speaking of... Switches. Of, of three-dimensional objects being in places they shouldn't be made out of materials or smeared with materials that shouldn't be associated with those uh, materials. Um, Nintendo uh, has hosted a Labo building competition, and the winners Labo. have have made some, like, weird stuff. There's, there's an accordion that uses little holes that sunlight filters in. You block the holes with your fingers, and that's how it knows what note you're playing. Hmm. Hmm. You use like that is inventive. Boxes of tissue paper to squeeze the accordions while holding your finger over a note, and that elongates the note. Uh, someone made a custom toy con game called Tea Time that uses motion sensors to simulate a cup holding liquid fluids. There's a like little on-screen display they made where um, you can see like the imaginary water level decreasing from your cups as you tip these cardboard teacups over and, and you serve customers that demand specific flavors. And the guy made a totally specific game for it with the, a cute little like cutout overlay like like the Magnavox Odyssey that <laughs> that he has uh, cut into little T-shapes on the screen that he puts on top of the switch. It's adorable. And someone also, like, went full circle and made an analog alarm clock out of the Toy-Con piano, where you stick the little uh, volume, not volume control, there are little knobs you can put into the Toy-Con piano that add uh, filter effects. And he turned it into an alarm clock where you wind the knob to move the hands of the alarm clock. So it's an analog recreation using digital technology to recreate an analog technology. Either way, it's real cool. And I, I, I don't know. As, as, as a Labo boy from, from a few weeks ago, I, I was getting a kick scrolling down this list. <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't know if there's you know much room for like comments or talk about this topic, but they look cool. I guess that's it, really. <laughs> yeah. They look cool. Uh, in more controversial news, where there is room for a little bit of discussion, uh, Rainbow Six Siege has employed a controversial language filter. Uh, racial slurs immediately now result in an instant ban, which means removal from the match in the middle of the fight, which has opened the door <laughs> for uh, creative psychological warfare ban-baiting strats. Oh my god. I like that. If if you're on like the ground that. and you're getting pinned by like caviar and, and she's interrogating you with that like two and a half second wind up, like in those two and a half seconds, you have an opportunity to just start typing stuff that only Matt can type. 
<laughs> and Matt will still oh, get kicked my out. God. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's Joel. pretty. It's a pretty simple concept. The idea is you type type in a, a, a word that has been used to turn human beings into products so people can sell them like cattle, and uh, get you you get removed from the game. But they decided to include some deliberately misspelled variations. And also extra slurs that, that those of us might not be familiar with. For example, Liam, I don't know, like, is 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 this one that I have on the outline as bad to say? Would would this give get me in as much Twitter trouble? George, I can't I George, I can't read the outline. I think you'll yeah, I think you'll have to tell me what it is. No, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a yes or a no. I, I, I can't see what you're referring to. Please. <laughs> I will copy and paste it into our t- Skype chat log. Oh, shit. Skype's not working. <laughs> you are the worst friend. <laughs> oh my, he's just written in capitals. Yes or no. Yes or no. Yes. It is. It is a racist term for people from Pakistan or of Pakistan descent. Which, if you're from Britain, you know yeah. exactly what I'm referring to. It's it's a it, it, like the N word that is used in America isn't used that often in the UK, if at all. Um, but this word, this word that begins with P, that is derogatory towards people which from which Pakistan, which I never even heard of. Is, it is like really common in the UK, unfortunately. So, yeah, yeah. It's a, um, t- a history of terrible racial relations with the the Pakistani minorities in the states hasn't really been a it's thing. Just, over it's basically here. just used to describe anyone who is Muslim or of Indian descent Which or Pakistani. I assume it's is the, the problem with the slur itself. Like it's getting the location and yeah. demograph wrong. Yeah, it's a yeah exactly. You know, people who are Sikh or Muslim or. You know, from India or whatever. It's just you know, it's that word to describe. And and my opinion what on this people is think. Like, oh, sorry. It's basically the word that idiots use when they don't know where people come from. Uh, my opinion on this, like, weirdly mirrors my opinion on Solo. Like, I get why a lot of these kids might be mad about it. There's some arguments, though, that I think are just stupid. Like, apparently, replacing the oh, G's in the I... N-word with the B's is supposed to make it okay. When it's basically, come on, it's you wanting to avoid the filter, and everyone knows it. Uh, using those misplaced, like, deliberate misspellings, though, opens the door for typos, and uh, also, like, just contextual confusion and very deliberate psychological warfare band-baiting tactics, which is hilarious. Uh, and the penalty at the same time also doesn't seem that severe. You just get kicked for 30 minutes for your first defense, two hours for the second. On the third, they're going to do an account investigation, and that one they'll know if it's all just a big misunderstanding or not. One can assume, hopefully, uh, but there's also another weird aspect to it in that it kicks you out of the single-player content as well. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, those racists get what's coming to them. I, I get how this could make people mad. I get how there's areas for mistakes, how it opens the door for mistakes and false positives. But at the same time, I see the problem as being severe enough to like have to employ some stupid for for the greater good, which sucks. And... Uh, 
I don't care that much, though, because my group of people are probably never going to have a problem with this thing. Oh, really? Huh. Uh, (laughs) When I play Siege, and the people that I play Siege with... They, I, I, I don't think we're going to run into many problems with the rainbow, Tom Clancy's slur filter. I play with people everywhere. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is if what, if one of your friends is like, uh, can you guys just wait for 30 minutes? Like, uh, oh, hey, yeah, what's wrong? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just cooking, you know? Whoops. Uh, yeah, I'm not banned. I misspelled my, uh, uh country of origin. <laughs> Yeah. I missed five letters off. <laughs> Whoops. I accidentally misspelled uh what's a word that I rhymes? Wonder, like, we have I don't know I don't know if you have the we have an English like slang for the word liar. For the word what? It's called we ha- we have an English slang in England for for a liar. We call huh. someone a liar. We we can call them a fibber. Yeah, yeah. Do you have do I've, you have I've that heard in the word fibbing. Fibbing is, is a synonym for yeah, lying. Fibbing, in yeah. American yeah, English. So too. someone who is yeah, someone who is fibbing is a fibber. So, like, oh. I wonder if you typed fibber. <laughs> Woo! And imagine if you're like, you're such a fibber. I, I, That's a little rough. This is the thing, though. Now, if, like, my team's not doing so well, I can just, like, start, start you know, typing in some things. Like, what is an English slang for, 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 for lying? And maybe get them to test it out instead of me. Like I found as well, like in America, is spastic okay? I think spastic like spaz- has yet. I, I'm sure there are many people affected by very serious uh, mental conditions who don't appreciate that. But I have yet to yeah, see it in the blow UK, up. Like, like in in the UK, you don't say that. Like you don't use that word. Huh. Like spaz or spastic is is two words you just don't use. Huh. Yeah, because, like, I'm, when I think of that word, I weirdly think of a Newgrounds artist. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I don't think of what <laughs> the, 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 the meaner implications. So I don't think that that's quite there, quite, quite, quite a bad in the U.S. as of the moment. But, you know, don't quote me on that. I'm no, I'm no expert. I just, I just, I just look at what gets people mad on Twitter. Uh, speaking of screwing around with multiplayer games, mm. did you guys see that, uh, Splatoon, <laughs> please give this game anti-cheat hack? Yes. <laughs> Where That was great. A, uh, let's see. Yeah, as of yet, I believe, pseudonymous, um, player who has posted their, uh, testimony on, on, on Reddit has claimed to hack their X power score at the end of Splatoon matches to be the number one player on the leaderboard enough to spell out across the leaderboard. Please add anti-cheat. This guy (laughs) made a Reddit post begging Nintendo to add anti-cheat. He said, do whatever, ban me from the console. I don't care. Just add anti-cheat. So Nintendo proceeded to ban him from his consoles and not do anything else as of yet, as of official wow. announcement. <laughs> so for like one day earlier this week, players were able to see the Splatoon 2 leaderboards just read, please add anti-cheat. And do you guys own Splatoon 2? Have you guys been playing it at all? Uh, I I don't no. play it at 
anymore at the moment, um, but I did play it last year. Did you remember having any problems with cheaters? No, not then. Hmm. I think this is a fairly new thing. Because mm. I want to be getting into it. I want to buy it soon, maybe next month. And I'd hate... You should play it for the Octo expansion. That is good. I'd hate to get hit by a bunch of cheaters, though. Not in this single player, though. It's mostly ranked. So if you just play, like, casual mode stuff, you're not going to get hit by cheating. And if you play, like... Like, this is, like, high-level stuff. I, I don't think you'd... Exp I don't think you'd realistically experience it, you know, playing just quite casually. If ranked is anything as hard as Siege ranked is, then I'm probably never going to touch it. Well... Depends. If, Although, you're this side of the, if you're playing this side of the world and you're playing with Japanese people, holy Jesus Christ. Are they are Japanese children bad or good at video games? They're very, very good. Ah, yes, thought so. They're very good. I wonder if that... God, it'll be weird in the future if that changes. Uh, maybe maybe we'll be alive to see it. Anyways, um, you guys want to move on to Dad Den? I think it's about time. I blitzed us through the news because we got a lot of Dad Den. Oh, boy. Den is a new highly anticipated segment in which we are going to rate our listeners game pitches. If you have a really cool video game idea, if you have a really bad video game idea, if you just want to hear us like do a bunch of sarcastic bullshit, then send us a pitch to dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com. We are going to want your imaginary game's name, its gameplay concept or main mechanic. We're going to want to know about its art style. We're going to want to know some themes it's going to tackle, both in gameplay and story. And last but not least, we want to know how long and for how much money you think it'll take to develop this video game. We want a budget of time and money. And we have a lot of submissions. People are having a lot, a lot, a lot of fun with this concept. But first off... For this week, we're going to start out with Pablo Escobar, the man himself, the the guy. Holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. lost a lot of money and now he wants to make it. Well, didn't he escape again? I don't know. Pablo Escobar escaped from the prison of some probably horribly corrupt South American country to, to make video games instead of... He's gone clean. No more drugs, just video games with drug money, I guess. But now right. Pablo Escobar is going to sell regular products that don't, well, getting people addicted to and ruining their lives, I guess. And he picked our <laughs> Video podcast. games. Right, mm -hmm. right. Pablo Escobar showed up here live on studio. Hello, Pablo. Hello. So Pablo Escobar has a game named <laughs> Lion's Den. Lion's Den. Lion's Den. Yes. The name of the show that has influenced this segment, Dad's Den, is... Uh, is now getting riffed by Pablo Escobar <laughs> to uh, uh don't challenge him. No, no, he might he might not like our uh verdicts unless we give him the verdict he likes. No. Are the lions from his own private zoo that he has? So, Lions Den, are are you guys ready for the pitch? Okay. Lion's Den is it's a, a long fucking pitch. It's a third person. All of them person. are long. All of it's them. A, <laughs> all of them are, are stories. 
<laughs> Why do people not listen? <laughs> so let's go. Lion's Den is a third-person co-op steeth game set in Eastern steeth. Europe in the mid-80s, mostly in Soviet sat eyelight states. You play as smugglers who are basically glorified gunrunners. You bribe, cheat, and murder your way from West Germany to the heart of Russia with the help of three other friends. Your job is to resupply a small terrorist cell who are planning to take over a large oil refinery in the most isolated part of the Soviet Union. The world will show the brutal life of those living in the late Soviet Union. I guess I don't, the oh. idea. Okay, wait, 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 continue, wait, wait, continue, people? continue. The main feature of the game is the play. Well, that's just video games. Is the player interaction in AI? <laughs> Mid '80s USSR was tight on security to say the least. Getting through it is not going to be easy, and a silver tog alone won't get you through most checkpoints. I should point out that uh, the English submitted in this pitch has, has uh, a couple typos. I'm, I'm going to assume... We're not, here, we're, we're not here to criticize spelling Yeah, mistakes. yeah. Based on the uh, foreign setting and, and language, <laughs> oh I'm assuming it might be <laughs> someone who... the viewers. I'm not insulting! This might be, this might be someone <laughs> who might maybe been there. Maybe Make someone all, who grew up in all the, the brutal typos, security guys, state. <laughs> put all the typos. You have many items to ease you through the dystopian hell of the USSR. You and your pals will need uniforms, intelligence, keys, maps, cars, trucks, and shady men in dark alleys. Things will go wrong, always. Soviet authorities will do everything they can to stop you. I have a question. So it sounds like... Yeah. So it sounds like a... It's just their job. ...division slash hitman Ooh, type yeah. game. Uh, it, with, with a specific emphasis on, like, crossing borders illegally. Which could be like interesting. That. that sounds interesting. Yeah. 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 Like a like a paper like please from the Slaughter other 3? side. Well, a bit of Metal Gear Solid Three thrown in there for good measure. No, well, they no. said that, it's that the other Metal Gear, the one that sucks, um, the one for PS Two. Metal Gear Acid. Wait, what? Peace Walker. Peace Portable Walker. Ops. Get the fuck out of here. That game's good. Man. It, what? But don't just what? Just don't play it on PSP. I think. Wait, don't play what? It on <laughs> Did you just say it's good? <laughs> yeah, play the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty version. It's good. People, oh there's a lot of Peace God. Walker fans. I don't know if I'm one of them, you. but there's, I don't there's, know they're you. out there. <laughs> Guys, that's a different historical Cold War-themed stealth game. So we've established already that there is more than one Cold War-era stealth game. However, they don't mention exactly what genre. And I'm picturing third-person stealth action based on the description. And I like how he points out that you're going to need uniform. I like how Pablo Escobar points out that you need uniforms, intelligence, keys, maps, cars, trucks, and shady men in dark alleys. On that list this are stuff not you guns. Know about. What's that? Old stuff that Pablo Escobar would know. About. Yes, yes. But but they do not, even though they say that murder will happen, they don't say, they don't market this as like violence being your primary interaction. What? He, he doesn't just say that. He says murder your way from West Germany to the heart of Russia. But there's other <laughs> activities too, and I like that. I, 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 I'm so freaking ready for video game? games to get away from hyper-violence as like the primary interaction the game, mechanic. The uh, yeah, yeah. Death to it Spies. Like... This has given me a Death to Spies vibe too. It sounds a bit like the Saboteur. A co-op Saboteur... A co-op Death to Spies. A co-op Hitman could work in this setting, I think. I, I just want to know why you want to supply I like the setting. A, a terrorist organization. Maybe they're like separatists who want to break apart from the Soviet Union. Like, wasn't who that an 80s thing? Large, who live in a large oil refinery. Mm, mm, and they just want to live there by that, themselves. Mm, Seize the means of production. That sounds like... In the grand, you like know, another... Soviet tradition, they're just following their, their Bolshevik roots, I guess. 
No, it sounds like another terrorist cell. Out of heaven. Metal Gear Solid 5. Well, I mean, the idea behind that was to be like a neutral party in the, the, the Cold War. It seems like these guys want to, to separate and be like... You mean do what Big Boss does anyway? Do, do what many new, oftentimes short-lived nations at the turn of the 80s to 90s did. Okay, so we know what we're going to be doing. What What's the rest of the pitch? Let's, uh, let's Art style. Let's seal the deal here. Maybe. The game will have a very grim art style with a heavy, brutalist interpretation. Since you are traveling across almost half the USSR, you get to see the unique Soviet architecture. So, squares! So, in terms of, like, like what I what he's missed, which is a vital part of the pitch, I oh, think, no. for a game like this, is you're going to be traveling across half of the USSR. How? Is this an open-world game? You're traveling oh, across giant, vast points of this like how is how are you playing this game uh, hmm. you know are we literally crossing borders can we yeah. can we roam open spaces up to a border and then we have to sneak into the like we have to approach each border and plan the, it all the, out the and then image that's how we do i have it? in my head is like each level represents a kind of checkpoint like the west germany to east germany checkpoint then you got the east germany to ah, poland checkpoint and let's see what see these are two very different then. games then one is like a very structured level driven their goal is to get through the checkpoint thing whereas the mm -hmm. other one is like you know he says you have to use uniforms and intelligence and keys like you could be gathering all this stuff in one area in this big open space Kind of like Metal Gear Solid Five, and then you could have a plan of attack. Like you can, you know, then you can approach the border in different ways. Oh, like you could choose to go over through uniforms and sneak your way in through, you know, pretending to be like USSR soldiers or something. Mm -hmm. Or you could, you know, murder your way through the border in a, a Bolshevik-esque revolution. And, and it looks across. like with the way they had the map set up, you'd be crossing, depending on your route, Moldova, Belarus, Latvia, Estonia. There's a lot yeah, of like so little like, cultural this, touches this, they could yeah, this, research into and make some, little historical pieces out of. It's I like it. This is some stuff. Yeah, but this is some stuff missing from his pitch. This mm, is yeah, stuff yeah, we're yeah, adding. I remember, our job is not to add. <laughs> We did this in the first one. We're not here to add. We're here to point out what you missed mm. and why we might not take the pitch because of it. Well, so, why, why, why know, wouldn't you take the pitch? Not enough paths, uh, Liam? Not enough paths? You know, no, like because, cardboard boxes, no, maybe? No, because we've immediately made the game huh? better. We're, and <laughs> oh my because he, he lacks something. Yeah, a genre. <laughs> a genre seems pretty important. Because I could imagine this right. playing out from an overhead perspective, a third-person perspective, a first-person perspective. But that's like any game ever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but the setting, I, I kind of like the... I he says third-person co-op, so I, oh, I right. doubt... Third-person co-op. It's, it's, it's okay. going to be some sort of Metal Gear-esque stealth game, isn't it? And, and that's why... Okay, before we get to our uh, verdicts, let's talk about themes. Themes include brutalism, okay. totalitarianism, surveillance states, isolation, political corruption, and the Cold War. I have well, no complaints. Yeah, I mean, okay. Let's move examine on. the like surveillance state of the modern world through the lens of the surveillance state of the previous world. I there's so many places you can go with this. Yeah, so let's get onto the budget. Budget. We're on a trip double A budget. Good. They specified how many A's. And I feel like the amount of A's is uh very very important so, qualifier. So what does this mean? Is this like Eurojank double A? It sounds like budget? a Eurojank double A game. Okay, so then he says an expected five to six years of development time and an expected launch on PC and possibly next-gen consoles. And that's a so long So if he's for five time. to six years, that is a long bloody that's time. That's a lot of bills to pay. 
And also, you know, with, with no that product kind of development time, with, well, with that kind of develop time, development time, you should be looking at a giant open world map in which you can cross half of fucking Russia. That is a long time. So I feel like I really like the premise, but I want to hear more about the the specifics of the third person camera and level design. And I think yeah. the five to six years is going to be too long for a game like this. I love the premise, though. I'm a big fan of, like, Metal Gear, Cold War history, social stealth, that is. This is, I think, what, like, has me so hooked. Like, the... the as, as the Papers, Please guy totally rightfully identified, you can gamify just going to the airport and crossing over into a new border. And that's what they're doing here? I... I like... I like it. I, I love the idea of turning regular, ordinary, peaceful interactions into high-stakes, high-tension video game uh, uh, fluff. So that's 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 where I am. What about you guys? Uh, Matt, do you want to go first? No, not really. It's just I'm not I'm not into it. I'm not into it. I feel like I feel like I have enough of these types of games already. I do like the border That's crossing fair. thing, but like I don't know, like <laughs> political corruption in the Cold War. And, uh, I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> I'm just not. I, I'm just so tired of this. <laughs> you don't so like tired. real life? Yeah, it's not. There's more to life than just this. <laughs> than bureaucracy and paperwork and trying to sneak around it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> You're so boring. <laughs> when you were born, you get a piece of paperwork saying where and when and how you're born that you need for, like, your SAT test 20 years later. Okay, okay. There's that. That's, um, like, crazy to me. Anyways. Okay. I, I, kind of agree, I kind of agree with Matt. We have a lot of this shit already. We have a lot of Cold <laughs> oh War... We no, we have a lot of specifically Cold War based video games. A lot, you know, we have a lot of stuff steeped in that kind of style. Luckily for this guy, I'm a sucker for that kind of shit usually, and this border crossing thing does have me intrigued. But he doesn't go into enough detail about how we're gonna do that. Like crossing the border, like fighting your way across, is kind of super boring. Really? You know, but fighting your way across the border like it's just well, a fighting level, maybe, like cross, but like sneaking and you cross from one part of the way. stage to the other. Yeah, no. So if with all the things we added, like it's a it's a, an open a sort of a pseudo open world game where you you plan a, a way of getting across the border, and it, it's up to you to decide how you do. You gather intelligence, maybe you steal uniforms, you take out a couple of guards, take the uniforms, dress over, and, you know, you try and convince your way, papers please, a la papers please, across the border. That would be super intriguing. You know, not mm -hmm. many games give you that kind of freedom, right? Mm -hmm. But with five to six years of development, and, uh, you know, I know, you, you, you know, you like your realism in the political things, but, like, there's enough, there is enough, the uh, oppressive politicalness right now mm. that I wouldn't be. Oh, that's why in, I like too it. Too interested. I wouldn't be too interested. In, but what about in, five, in six years it? from now? Because that's another thing My you got to consider. Five, Video games are oftentimes behind the pulse of pop culture. If we're still as political, if we're still in this weird political oppression and political discourse as we are right now in five or six years, then I, I will have given up even further. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I want to yeah, escape from that. I won't want to play it then. I, but I like the idea. Like, 
but we've had to in terms of like the pitch like we had to push it along to make it a little more interesting so i'm gonna say i'm out all right we have another one i got another one for you guys uh fight or fall a zazzy the beast game <laughs> that is submitted by zazzy. Zazzy are you guys ready for this absolutely yeah this is called Fight or Fall, a Zazzy the Beast game, submitted by... Zazzy the Beast. <laughs> a Zazzy the Beast he's, submission. He's he's going straight up Kojima on this shit. I love it. All right, are you guys ready for this fucking insane story pitch? Everything, every pitch is just Metal Gear, isn't it? It's just Metal Gear. No, 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 no. This no. is... This, okay, I, next week, are you, I'm are you ready? Are you ready? Line, yes, man. please on, do. Downstairs. Every time is just going to be yeah. some variation of <laughs> Metal Gear. Oh, I want Let Metal Gear to be tone. this. Let me huh? set the tone! Okay. Okay. Boom, boom. The year is 1945, and Hitler is in rough shape. In the Third Reich's darkest moment, a beam of light shines upon him. They discover the secret to atomic weaponry. <laughs> With nothing to lose, the Axis sends hundreds of bombs to the Americas, the United Kingdom, and the USSR. Liberty dies. But there is hope! A missile sent to the USSR is derailed off course and lands in a Swedish volcano, causing a premature <laughs> eruption. The resultant lava flow thaws out an ancient glacier containing your party, the Northern Berserkers, a group of fibrous Vikings hell-bent on reclaiming their homeland from the Nazis. Okay, I'm in. The gameplay now? concept just has after... <laughs> They just put in quotes, fight or fall in all capital letters. And then they go on to explain a post-nuclear Viking Rebellion FPS slash strategy game with combat being a combination of Rainbow Six Three, Doom 2016, Fallout 3, and Brutal Legend. <laughs> the game's unique <laughs> gameplay hook is a fully fleshed out modern interpretation of real-time combat with pervasive pauses in which one is able to issue combat commands to all members of the party. One will have full first-person control over their main character but may pause the game and shift into other party members to select target areas to move or enemies to attack. Hmm, Mass Effect maybe. Specific shots can also uh, be lined yeah, up. Like a Specific Dragon's shots as well. can yeah. be lined up, allowing one to set up a slew of critical shots before resuming the game, initiating a second, uh, initiating a single second of fatal hits. The system combines the accuracy and complete control afforded by VATS with the team commands of Rainbow Six Three, and I'm also guessing the like super fast kills and fragile characters, the raw metal thrills of Brutal Legend, because I guess Vikings <laughs> and Nazis, and allows the brutal <laughs> first-person gunplay of Doom, because I guess. It's going to be done with more of a heavy metal theme from that first person perspective. Glad uh, let's continue. Let's continue. Themes: Vengeance slash Swedish history slash unreliable historic machinery slash heavy metal slash male fantasy. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking god. I love how how unapologetic it is though. Ah! This is kind of cute. Are you guys fucking ready for the budget? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Lay it on me. Budget. The budget is 20 million. Woo. <laughs> 20 million what? 20 million George Bucks. A Kickstarter is planned with stretch goals a of a Kickstarter of 20 million. <laughs> is planned with stretch <laughs> goals of officially licensing songs from the Swedish band Sabaton <laughs> and having Willem Dafoe voice Hitler for the final <laughs> battle. <laughs> Only for the final battle. That's how it's going to be. The graphics will be similar to Kingdom Come Deliverance. 
The, the graphics will be similar to Kingdom Come Deliverance, though more buff, with muscular models and a stylized color scheme, mostly emphasizing red. Mostly emphasizing red. red. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, dude. Dude, guys. Rock on, dude. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. How do you guys... That's my answer. <laughs> See, okay. Okay, so George is in. <laughs> Matt, what about you? No, you, you, you go ahead, Liam. <laughs> okay, so first of all, I love the fucking story. I love the story. I love the story. This kind of batshit crazy, brutal legend-esque story about Vikings coming out of a frozen volcano because of a bomb that the Nazis sent. I'm in. I'm in. Although, I'm in. I don't like the fact that they're Vikings, so I assume they're fighting with axes. And then when I think of first-person axe-based combat, I think of Skyrim. And then I'm out because Mm. Skyrim's combat is dog shit. So... I'm like, unless we can change it to a third person, well, like, kind of like God of War. Remember that long, you're pausing kind of like and Bayonetta. playing with, like, no, no, fast no, no, kills. Like, that's, that's fine. No, and that's I, fine. I like, like that. I like the idea. I like George, that. shut up. Just shut up. You'll have your turn. Like, I like the idea of being able to pause and, like, controlling the other three Vikings or whatever. Like, if there's four Vikings, you know. It, like, you control the other Vikings and tell them what to do, you know, like Mass Effect or, like, Dragon's Age. Like, that sounds cool. But then having, like, the vats, maybe where you can throw the axe at different mm-hmm. body parts and snaps back at you like God of War, that would be great. But I don't like it being in first person. I don't, I don't want it you in first person. You want to see those Viking muscles? Yeah, see, that's the no, thing. I, I just, if you're going to have Vikings and a male combat. fantasy, you want to see those freaking pets. You yeah. want to fantasize like about com- those males. Male yeah, you want to see that nice, yeah, but, like, tight butt, you know? Also, melee combat is shit in first person, so... Right, but that... I, I'm almost... I'm fucking loving the idea of a, like, asymmetrical XCOM game where you're playing pause-and-play melee tactics against an overwhelming enemy that has guns. Like, the, the asymmetricality person, of that would be... fun. Yeah, no, I think it would be fun. I think that would be really cool, but... To change, you know, if it's going to be like melee based combat as well, like I think the first person ch- might be something. Yeah, the more you mention it, the more change. that seems like a change it, change it, like like change like it. something that should require thought. Change it to just well, change well, it to the third he, person. He's probably have an thinking awesome... like the Vikings are going to like grab a gun, you know, like a couple hours into mm-hmm. the game. The Doom comparison. No, they're going to be like muscular beef dudes who only use axes, like true Vikings. They don't need guns. That guns are fanatics. I do find it hard to picture a Viking with a like horny helmet, without a shirt on, with ripping muscles, like holding a nine millimeter. A gun. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's got to be like <laughs> it's got to be like a melee based game where they just use the axes, like these mystical axes no. that have been thawed no. out of the volcano with them. No, though, though they like blend the melee with with the gun so he like he picks up the machine gun and he starts duct taping it to the <laughs> <laughs> but okay you watch it in first person <laughs> matt matt what thoughts do you have do you have a verdict because i have a fun fact Wait, we haven't talked about the 20 million kickstarter 20 million something <laughs> i mean that that currency could be adjusted to 20 million yen all of a sudden it's not it- such a big number <laughs> let's see let's assume it's 20 million dollars if it's swedish say, crowns it'll be like not as big as it sounds either let's see swedish crown conversions 
Um, Matt, do you have any any verdicts while I uh, look this stuff up? Twenty. One, two, three, one, two, three. Okay. That's uh, a... It, uh, it, I mean, execution, but like if if it's as goofy as he's making it out to be... If oh, I love it. Then I would I would like it. Yeah, I would like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, start, I'm starting to think it's kind of like Wolfenstein goofy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, what I'm thinking of. That's, where I, that's what I'm thinking. Nazi yeah, which exploitation. Is like, I'm, I'm, in. I'm in for that. And also, uh, if, if you do decide to pitch a budget of 20 million... In Swedish crowns, that's about 2.2 million in USD. You could do like 2D short lasting game with that, I bet. But it sounds like that's not what you want to do. 2D? Mm hmm. Uh, also, I have a fun fact relating to their choice of music. Sabotage. Which makes me think that this might be a terrifyingly well thought out submission uh the band sabaton the swedish band sabaton actually has lyrics that draws from themes from world wars one and two and they've actually been commissioned by paradox studio to write games to write music with with like themes of fighting nazis before uh, according to Wikipedia, on June 6, 2016, the 72nd anniversary of D-Day, Sabaton released a music pack for the Paradox game Hearts of Iron 4 with songs based on World War II, the theme of the game. And then they released a second album on January 26, 2017. The Fight and Fall title doesn't work with the game unless there's something that I'm missing. <laughs> Fight or Fall could be improved. Or, like, it's I don't know, like, maybe the Nazis have taken over the whole world, and the only, the only thing left is the Vikings. <laughs> I like there being an alternate history where, you know, the Nazis are on the back foot, and then all of a sudden they have atomic weaponry before the US, and they blow everyone up, and then they somehow cause this cataclysmic event at a volcano that does... Bring forth the yeah, yeah, yeah. the Vikings, which is like which is Wolfenstein like without that. the volcano and the like. That's just, that's what I love about it. it's like taking Wolfenstein and somehow making it even more like fun, absurd. I don't care that. Yeah, we're, I don't we're care taking that. the submissions too seriously. We need to crap on them more. Okay, but this one was so Dude, good. It's twenty. It's a, he wants twenty million for a Kickstarter. Twenty like, million what? Twenty million nowhere. cheese crackers. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's dollars. Like he sounds like he's from Sweden, but I'm assuming it's dollars. So I'm assuming it's dollars. Thank you, thank you so much, Zazzy the Beast. Change it to third person, and it's the first game I'm in for. That was really fun to imagine, which is. So cute about this new segment. And with that, we're going to wrap up. Uh, once again, next week we are going to be doing emails. So once again, that email address is dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com. Send us weird questions. Next week we'll do more dad dins and go through your submissions. You know, talk about some news, share some stories about yeah. surviving floods. Mm -hmm. And uh, getting poop oh, on yes. your phone. I, I, I do want to say, mm -hmm. uh, you know... Super big thank you to everyone. After last week's episode, uh, everyone messaging me and putting comments in the YouTube and also people messaging me on Twitter asking if I was safe and if I was okay. Thank you very much. It means a lot that, you know, we can get past the online anonymity and people just being very generally nice people asking if I was okay and if everything was all right. So, yeah, thank you very much, my fellow dads and sons. I really appreciate it. 
So just remember, no matter how things, how bad things get, <laughs> your dads and sons will always be there claiming it's at least okay. <laughs> this is why. Mm. Just play the switch during a flood. It's it's that a okay. That's pretty terrible advice. Shut up.